Thanks for listening to the podcast from Old Town Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Old Town Church is passionate about making disciples for the glory of God in Old Town and around the world by inviting people to know the gospel, experience biblical community, and live on mission. If you're in the Rock Hill area, we invite you to join us for worship every Sunday. If you're not in our area, we encourage you to find a gospel-believing church near you. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you as we seek to follow Jesus in the grace of his gospel. Thanks for listening. And, 
And it wasn't this like everybody gather around so we can tell you what to do in church. It was this everyone gather around and let's just celebrate the truth of the gospel. So we just listened to sermons for two days straight. It's just an encouraging moment in God's word. And, and so I just want to encourage you as, as part of, we were part of that prayer network. And uh, it was just a, a blessing for us in those, those days. Um, and so I just want to encourage you. Like, God is, God is doing the work uh, amongst his people, not just here at Old Town, not just here at Rock Hill, but uh, across the globe. So it's just really cool to be a part of that. Um, also, this is side note. Like, this, is, this has nothing to do with sermon or anything else. Um, but right now, today, um, my oldest son, Gray, is, is running uh, sound and pro presenter at the same time. He's like mixing levels and hitting the button and doing it like that. I bring that up for this reason. Uh, first of all, shout out to him. He's like, thanks, Dad, uh, for letting me be engaged in all of these areas at once. Uh, but also just to say, we have some needs in our audio and visual department. So uh, if you are able at any point to, to serve in that way, and not because you know how to do it, because you're willing to learn, because we can teach you those things, uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. So got your back, man, and uh, we'll get you some back there soon. But, um, you know, I am I'm often amazed at the dedication of athletes, like the work they put in. A lot of us probably watched football yesterday, um, sometimes for my beloved Tigers. I'm like, did you put the work in this week? But, you know, it comes and goes. But, you know, you think about like Olympic athletes. Uh, Simone Biles yesterday won her sixth world championship in gymnastics, all right? In 10 years, she's won six world championships in gymnastics. She is, between uh, these championships and the Olympics, the most decorated uh, medalist in, in that sport. And I can't imagine just the work that she has put in tirelessly training her entire life for And it makes me think about like, someone like Michael Phelps, who uh, is, is the most decorated Olympian of all time, winning a total of 23 gold medals over four Olympics, which is crazy to be the best, of the, like literally the best in the world 23 times over the span of 16 years. And, and you can look back and research a little bit, like how do you prepare for that? How do you train? Well, he spent five to six hours a day in the swimming pool, um, not playing and splashing, no floaties. This was like five or six hours a day training in the swimming pool. Um, and even on birthdays, on holidays, he was constantly training for that. In order to replace the calories you would lose swimming for five or six hours, he would eat eight to 10,000 calories a day. All right, now the recommended calorie allowance for a human is like 2,000, right? Like that's a normal day for you. So Phelps, listen, I'm gonna just read you his, his, his meal plan, all right? For breakfast, three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, tomato, lettuce, fried onions, and mayonnaise, which is um, Followed by three chocolate chip pancakes. After that, he would have a five-egg omelet and three sugar-coated slices of French toast, a bowl of grits, and two cups of coffee. This was breakfast, all right? At lunch, he would have a pound of pasta. Now listen, that's you taking the box you buy at the grocery store, cooking the whole thing, and eating the whole thing yourself. That's a pound of pasta. On top of that, two large ham and cheese sandwiches on white bread, smothered in mayonnaise, which this is getting grosser. Uh, and then for dinner, he would have another pound of pasta followed by a large pizza. All right, this was like a normal day for Phelps, uh, eating in that way. And so that's dedication. Like you are dedicated to the craft of being a good swimmer in that way. He, he once famously said, all I can do is eat, sleep, and swim. That's all he's doing. Uh, on the one end, uh, it's pretty impressive, right? Uh, what he did. And on the other end, I'm, I'm really sad for him. 
Uh, I'm, I'm really sad that his entire life was, was focused on the most important thing for him that he dedicated himself to was being the best at swimming, but it challenges me also to ask of myself, like, what's the most important thing for me? What's the most important thing in my life? What am I doing to pursue that? And this morning, what I want to challenge us all with is what is that most important thing for you? What is the, the purpose of what you are pursuing in your life? And, and spoiler alert, this won't surprise you at all. Here at church, we, we say that Christ is the most important thing. All right, I'm not shocking anyone this morning. You knew that. But that, that our relationship with Christ, that the exaltation of Jesus Christ should be the thing that is most important, the thing that we spend our lives in pursuit of, that we're spending our lives in pursuit of knowing Him and making Him known. And that's what the Apostle Paul is addressing here to us in Philippians chapter 1. And so uh, last week, um, we, we talked a little bit in this, this first part of the passage, and we said this, that abiding joy comes from a life devoted to the exaltation of Christ. That abiding joy comes from a life devoted to the exaltation of Christ. And so we, Paul was walking through all of these different things and how, and all the circumstances that uh, they were serving to advance the gospel. Well, today, here's our big idea. And so if you're a note taker, you'd like to take pictures of the screen, whatever, here's our big idea today. Followers of Christ are called to enjoy and advance the gospel in all circumstances. Followers of Christ are called to enjoy and advance the gospel in all circumstances. And what we're going to see is the, the Apostle Paul uh, modeling uh, both a delight in and a desire to advance the gospel with his life. And we're going to see kind of three different ways as we walk through this passage uh, that Paul, that we can either enjoy or advance the gospel in all of our circumstances. And church, I just want to say that's for us individually, but also uh, together as, as a faith family. And so... Uh, uh, First point is this, because of Christ, we can live with a singular focus on the advancement of the gospel. Because of Christ, we can live with a singular focus on the advancement of the gospel. And read verses 21 through 24. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart to, to depart to the name of Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Now, as Stacey's on a survey, remember where Paul was when he was writing this letter. He's in a jail in Rome. So he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi from a prison cell, and he doesn't know if he's going to be executed soon. He's on trial. Uh, it's capital punishment. I mean, there's a chance he could be executed. And so he's facing this adversity of the unknown. I, I don't know if I'm going to live tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And so we're hearing Paul process a little bit uh, how he faces that uncertainty. And he begins to weigh the possible outcomes if he were to live or if he were to die. And so uh, in verse 21, there's this famous uh, saying from Paul, to live is, to, to live is Christ. And to die is in. Uh, I once had a friend, and this is probably some of y'all might have put this on a coffee cup. I had a friend who had this tattooed on his arm. I've been sure at that point in our life he knew what it meant, but it looks cool. It was a cool looking tattoo. Um, but it carries with it so much depth and meaning. What is Paul actually saying here when he says to live as Christ and to die is gain? And in church, I just want to encourage us with this truth before we even get all the way into it. Because of Christ, life and death are win win situations. I mean, for us, there is this is a, a win-win proposition for us as we 
as we face life here on earth, we face uh, death, there is an eternity and a hope that we have, and so it is a win-win situation for us. That's what Paul is talking about. We're trying to figure out what does he mean by to live as Christ and to die as And He starts to explain himself in verse 22 and 23. 22, he says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And he's saying that, that if he lives, all, all he wants to do with his life is to lift high the name of Christ and point others to Christ. In his living, he has this opportunity uh, for fruitful labor, to be, to be a, a part of helping others come to know Christ. Whether it be this church in Philippi or all the other churches he's investing in, all the other uh, countries that he's going to um, with the, the message of the gospel. And so the purpose and meaning of his living is singularly focused on lifting up the name of Christ and advancing the gospel. It's not on the Olympics. It, it's not, as, as we might think of it, it's, it's not on uh, building a career. It's not on establishing an investment por portfolio or making sure our retirement's taken care of. It, it might be, it's not on uh, you know, trying to get that girl or like trying to get that guy. Like that's not Paul's singular, his singular focus is on the exaltation of Jesus Christ, on, on the advancement of the gospel. And, and Paul says, yet which I shall choose, I, I don't know. And it's not that he actually has a choice here. He's in prison, right? So he's not saying, I, I can either choose to live or I can choose to die. What he's doing is, is weighing out these, the, kind of the, the, the outcome, the benefits of these two options, of these two things that he's facing. This is a man that knows if he lives, there's going to be a purpose to his living. And then in verse 23, though he knows his living can be fruitful labor and the advancement of the gospel, he says in verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two uh, because he knows that there is gain in death. And in death, there's two types of gain that Paul is, is talking about here. One, uh, just in his current circumstances, Paul's death, his, his martyrdom for the sake of Jesus Christ, could mean uh, a gain for, for others. As, as he is lifted up, as so many times God does, God brings glory to himself. Through the death of the saints. This has happened throughout history. As God's people suffer, God's glory is, is made known to the people that experience that. And so in his physical dying would be an opportunity for the gospel to be advanced. You know, I've been um, able to be a part of a number of, of funerals of believers in Jesus Christ where the gospel is just lifted up. And it's, it's just this beautiful opportunity for us to gather in a moment like that and lift high the gospel. And so Paul knows that even in his dying, the gospel can be advanced. But he knows also, he knows that he dies, he gets to be with Christ. Like this is the ultimate gain for those who are in Christ, the ultimate joy of being with the Savior for eternity, free from sin, free from prison, free from persecution and suffering. Death would usher Paul into an eternity of enjoying Christ. And so Paul says, like, my desire, Paul desires to be with Christ, because he says, that's far better. It's far better to, to be with him. Paul, that the gain of death is not just purposeful, but it's personal. I get to be with my Savior. He wants to be with Christ. And so this eternity and delighting and the glory of God is the reality of every believer. That's something if you are in Christ, something that every single one of us has to look forward to. It's a, it's a future eternity that we get to anticipate. We can live in this life with this hope that one day we will be with Him forever. And so we can long to be with Him. Let that longing be developed and, and grown in us. And in verse 24, 
Paul says, but, though I desire this, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. In his living, he understands it's more beneficial for the people of God, for the churches that he's leading, uh, for him to remain and for their growth in Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Though Paul desired to depart with Christ, he knew that his living mattered for the growth of these believers. So because of this, Paul's singular focus in his life was on advancing the gospel. Now, that was true for Paul, but that's true for us too as believers. That, that same thing is to live as Christ and to die as gain. That is true for us. All right, now let's have some real talk for a second. You expect to hear that at church, that in your life it should be lived for the advancement of the gospel. But in church we get a lot of shoulds. And it, you know, it's just part of it. Like, you should want to advance the gospel. You should be okay with dying because you long to be with Christ. You should desire to see the name of Christ exalted. You should care for those who don't know Christ and are going to die without knowing him. You should know all those things. It's real talk here. You, you should do that. But if we're being honest, maybe you're just not there. Like for you, you're like, to live is not even for Christ, and to die doesn't seem any gain to me. If I'm being honest, maybe I don't really desire, like this burning desire, like a Michael Phelps type of eat 8 billion calories for breakfast kind of desire, that my life be pointed towards other people coming to know Christ. And I just want to say, that's okay. I just want to free you up this morning to not feel like you should have walked in here with this burning desire, like, why are we even gathering when there are people dying and going to hell outside of these walls? I want to tell you it's okay for you not to be there right now. I want to free you up, just be honest about where you're at in that way. I want to free you up that you're like, quite honestly, I, and I'll be honest with you, like, in our marriage, Megan would, would always say, like, I just, I just long to be with Jesus. Like, I wish he would just take me now. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm pretty good where we are right here. Like, we can be honest about that because here's the reality is then we need to bring that to the Lord. Like, Lord, I, I, I quite honestly, I'm not sure I desire to, to, to spend the eternity with you. I kind of like it. I like my kids. I like my job. I like the hobbies I'm involved in. I like the career I have. Like, I'm not even sure I really want you to take me at this point. We can bring that to Him. We talked about this a few weeks ago. That we can be honest about that amongst each other and with the Lord because we're in process. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete. We're not complete yet. And so you can, we can understand that we are on this journey of, of learning more about Christ and delighting in Him, but we're not there yet. So we can say, listen, I'm not there. I don't have this desire, but God, would you develop that desire in me? I, I think one of the best prayers that you can pray is, Lord, help me to enjoy the gospel in my personal life in such a way that it creates this desire in me to advance the gospel. And so if you don't have that desire, just bring that to the Lord. Like, would you help create that in me? Trevor prayed earlier that there would just be this like, refreshing of us in, in, in the enjoyment of our salvation. Like, sometimes that fades back, sometimes that gets dull. And so just bring that to the Lord and create that in me. Church, Christ has made that type of desire possible for us. You don't have to turn it up on your own. He develops that in you. And so if we are truly His, we have been raised to new life in Him. He has put His Spirit in us. And so we just go to Him and say, Lord, I, I, I'm not, 
I'm going to desire it in a certain way. Would you develop that desire in me? Go to him and ask him for that help. Old Town Church, like, like, what if that became one of the prevailing prayers that we pray as a faith family? Like, Christ, help me so delight in you that it creates this desire in me for others to know you as well. That any evangelism that goes out from us, any work of, of wanting others to know the gospel is produced from this internal just delight in treasuring Christ. And I'm not saying there's not an obligation. Like we still, there's like this tension that we're, we're balancing all along the way. But let that prayer for us be, Lord, would you help develop that in me? And so in that way, we could say, because of Christ, that we also can live, like Paul, with a singular focus on the advancement of the gospel. And so until we depart and be with Christ, we are called to fruitful labor of gospel advancement in our living. And so for each one of us here this morning, we are still here. And so to live as Christ is the life that we are walking in. Point number two, because of Christ, we can selflessly invest in the growth of others. And this is the conclusion Paul was coming to in his thought. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. Paul, Paul says, as he's, he's weighing through these things, convinced of this, all right, he's convinced that God is going to keep him here. Like I just, I'm convinced that God is going to keep me here for your progress and joy in the faith. That's the nature of his labor. And he uses this word progress, which I love. First of all, in light of this chapter, as we've talked about, that he who began a good work in you is, is faithful to complete it. Like we are a work in progress. Uh, God is, is working on us along the way. So I love that word in, in one way, because that's one of the themes of the chapter. Uh, but the other is, is this word progress. It really points to the work that, that, that Christ is doing in that church in Philippi. That word progress is an advancing. All right? So Paul has been talking from a thematic standpoint about advancing the gospel. That in spite of all these circumstances, that the gospel is advanced. And so Paul is saying, I'm going to stay with you for your progress, for your growth, for your advancement, so that the gospel can be advanced. And so Paul wants to help them uh, pro progress, progress, progress in their faith, in their actual relationship with them. But in, in, he says, in joy in the faith. That their progress and their joy in the faith. He, he's there to help them grow in their joy. In Jesus Christ. And we can't miss this. That as we know Christ more and more and more. As we know through studying his word. As we know him through gathering together in a morning like this. Where we gather together and proclaim the word of God. And celebrate it together. As we gather in, in small groups. As we gather in equipped classes. As we gather just in coffee appointments. And, and, and meals that we share with one another. That we, we begin to know Christ more and more and more as a result of being in His Word and being together in His Word. And that produces this joy. It's going to result in this joy. Because as we know Him more and more, it creates a greater joy, a greater affection. And why is that? Because Christ is that good. The more, the more you know Him, the better it gets. Like, the, 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 the believers that are older than me, those are who are, I mean, there, there's, there's one that, that specifically, last Christmas, had a conversation with uh, a sister in Christ who's a couple decades older. And um, she encouraged me so much because as, 
I asked her, uh, hey, does it get easier as you get older? Like just this relationship with Christ, like walking with Christ? She's like, oh, yeah, it's, it it's harder. I was like, oh, it's kind of depressing. But she was like, but the more and more I know him, the more joy I have in that as I walk through those things. And so it's not that the circumstances are easier. It's that the knowing him produces a joy that helps me walk through those difficult circumstances. The more you know him, the better he gets. Now, that's not true of me. The more you know me, I don't get better. Like Megan, when she married me, uh, we've been married 18 years. It wasn't like every day she got to unwrap these little presents in my personality again. It wasn't like, oh, God, she's even better than I thought he was. It's like, no, 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 it's, it's not quite like that. Uh, she got to know my sin, my annoying habits. In the middle of the night when I'm snoring, she's not like, oh, oh gosh, this is it's getting better every day, you know. Um, the more you know me, the better I am. I know it doesn't get better. Like, uh, what you, the, your first interaction with me is probably the best you're going to get. And then after that, it just kind of goes downhill from there. But church, this is not true of Christ. That the more we get to know Christ, the more we discover the depths of his glory, the depths of his love, the depths of his compassion, the depths of his holiness, the depths of his perfection. The more we get to know Christ, he just gets better and better and better. And there's no end to it. For the rest of your life, you can study God's word. You can get to know Christ more. And it never runs out of getting better. And then one day we get to be with him and see the full reality of who he is. He keeps getting better. In that, we find joy. In that there's this joy in our faith. Like, he, like every surprise is not a negative surprise. It's a, like he keeps getting better and better and better. That's the work that Paul was convinced he would continue with the Philippians. He was committed to investing in their growth, to helping them grow and progress in their faith in a way that produce greater joy in their relationship with him. So I just want to stop here for a second. Like, freeze moment. Eyes on me real quick. Everybody look at me. Alright? Like, what does it look like for you to know Christ more and more right now in your life? Like, what is that looking like for you? How are you pursuing to know him more and more? Like, we can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation right now. Like, what does your pursuit of Christ look like? And this isn't shame, it's like, you don't read your Bible every day? What? Like, um, not bad, not shame and guilt, but like encouragement. He's good. And, and so what does it look like for you? Let today be the starting point of, of a journey that just takes from knowing him a little bit more this week. You don't read your Bible at all. And you read your Bible one day this week, maybe that's that last week. That's great. This is that progress that we're talking about. Look, how can we come alongside one another? Let's just be honest about where we're at. Like, if you, don't, if you haven't memorized the whole Bible, um, you know, welcome. You're welcome here. Like, none of us have, right? And so, and so as a faith, let's just come alongside them. Like, what does it look like for us to know Christ more and more and more together? Not the way we cast shame and guilt on one another, but we're like, hey, yeah, no, I, I get it. Come on. Let's go. Let's go together in that way. You know, one specific thing that you can do is join one of our small groups. Now, this isn't like, ah, I'm sort of plug into a sermon. Gotcha, small group, set up on a website. That's, this isn't about getting numbers in our small groups. This is about you getting around the people of God who's working. Like, this is about you taking what we're talking about on Sunday and then fleshing that out with other people within our faith. All right? And so this is a way, that's a step you can take to be encouraged in your walk with the Lord. 
the, the gospel is not just advanced outside the walls of our church. The gospel is not just advanced with people who aren't believers. The gospel is advanced in us as we understand it more. We understand the implications of the gospel in our everyday life. That we get to know Christ more and treasure him more. And that impacts everything. But church, this is a team effort. This isn't just like the pastor or the rivers on the stage. Like, okay, hear you, hear you. We want to tell you about Jesus and tell you how to live. But this is like us getting in God's word together and, and walking that out in our daily life. And, and so this is the, the thing that I want all of us to see. That, that we are all called to help one another grow in the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how that impacts every aspect of our life. And so look around the room for a second and do this often. I know it's uncomfortable, but you need to do this. Make eye contact with someone, alright? But you did not come up. Jesus. Alright? Look around those spaces. God has a plan to use you to help those people grow in their relationship with Christ. And to, to actually use you. And you might be like, I don't have a lot to offer, I don't have a lot of biblical knowledge, I don't know really how I'm going to help that. But that it's so much more than that. There's so much more than you knowing everything and imparting that to someone. It's just you walking alongside someone. I'll tell you, like, we've got a morning right here. We've got a lot of people out of town this weekend. I guess it's just October, the weather, that's in the mountains. All right, so maybe some of y'all are doing that in basic time. Maybe one of the very simple things you can do is just reach out to someone you know just wasn't here. To, to say, hey, like, I, I noticed you. I missed you. I, I'm sad you weren't here. Like, where are you? Everything okay? Like, that's a simple little thing that begins to engage us in community with one another. That then helps us feel a part of something bigger that then we get in God's Word together. And so, I'm just practical for everybody here. Like, text somebody that you notice on here and say, hey, I miss you today. You're okay. And if you need phone numbers, I might be able to share them. I don't know if I'll figure that out. But you don't be able to figure that out. I can't believe it. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll do something. All right. Um, but, but listen. Let, that's, that's a small part of us just being able to engage. Because this thing is a team effort. It's all of us together laboring in that direction. So church, one of the ways that we advance the gospel is by investing in the spiritual growth of one another, which is made possible by the work of Christ in us. And so I just challenge you to begin thinking about how can I invest in the growth of others. Here's the beauty. I was talking to Megan about this this week. Here's the beauty. If every one of us starts to have that, that view here as a big thing, like if all of us are saying, like, how can we invest in the growth of others? All of us then begin to receive from that. And so it's, it's this, this thing where we're giving out and people are giving into us, we're giving out and we're giving into us. And so there's this, this thing where it's just this cycle that keeps going over and over and over as we grow in our knowledge of the gospel, but ultimately in our joy of the gospel. All right, last point, point number three. Because of Christ, we can stand united as citizens of God's kingdom. Paul says, verse 27 through 30, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened of anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here 
that I still have. Paul switches modes here. He's going into like uh, um, uh, this, this, as he's focused on the growth of others, he's also going into like, let's talk about conduct. Let's talk about what that looks like in our life, the actual conduct of our way of life. And so he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then that phrase, let your manner of life, is this phrase, it kind of it means to conduct yourselves. It actually, if you study the roots of this word, has this idea of you are citizens of a kingdom. That this, this manner of life that you are, you are the, the roots of that word are this, this idea of citizenship. That your life is a citizenship of something. And so the implication here is that in the way that you live, there's a certain way that you should be conducting yourself as a citizen of the kingdom. All right? Now, they are citizens of, of Rome. That's ultimately where, in the Church of Philippi, that's where their citizenship was. And in this case, Paul is saying, though you are Roman citizens, your actual citizenship, your true allegiance, is ultimately to the kingdom of God. And so, let your conduct be as a citizen of God's kingdom. And so, what does that look like? Well, it looks like that it's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That your, your citizenship is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to be worthy? Uh, this word has this, this idea of a scale. Okay? So, like, when they would buy things back then, they would... You know, they, they had these scales, and you would put the money on the scale and weigh it out to make sure that what you were getting was equal to what you were getting. All right, so this idea of, of scales. And, and so it's, it's this idea of value and worth. And so what Paul is saying is, as citizens of God's kingdom, all right, let your life be worthy of the gospel. That there is a, a, an alignment that your life matches the gospel. That as you claim to be a citizen, that your life is actually lining up to that. The scales are even, that it's worthy of that. But the value is the same. People should look at our lives, and they should see the gospel. And when they hear that, that makes me nervous. I'm like, even when I'm driving? Like, does that, when I'm at the grocery store, and I don't think anyone I know sees me? Like, all of that. Like, that our lives, people should see them and see the gospel. They should see that we are citizens of God's kingdom. That our lives match what we proclaim. Now that's weighty. Like that makes my armpit sweat a little bit. Like that gets me like, I don't know if I can carry that type of load. And I'll be honest, I don't feel like I have what it takes. I feel like if you watched my life, that the scales might be a little uneven, but I wouldn't be living like worthy of the gospel. And so we get that word often associated with Christians, hypocrites. That's one of the, like, Christians are, are hypocrites, like, Jesus is love, Christians aren't loving, that we don't practice what we preach, that our lives don't match what we proclaim, that the scales don't actually even out, they don't line up. And that always makes me wonder what we're proclaiming. If we're not practicing what we proclaim, then what is it that we're proclaiming if our lives are not matching up the gospel, if we are hypocrites? Because if we are proclaiming that we have it all together, and we are casting this like self-righteous judgment on those who are not following the commands of Scripture. Well, then yeah, we are going to be hypocrites. We are going to come off as like I've got it all together, and you don't. So shame on you. But really, if we're proclaiming the true gospel, we're not hypocrites. We're actually aligning ourselves with the gospel. Christians who are proclaiming the true gospel are not hypocrites, because the essence of the gospel is a celebration of our weakness and dependence on Christ. We're not out there saying, like, yeah, I do everything right. We're actually saying, like, I'm, I'm a terrible person, but Christ is so good. And that's the essence of the gospel. Our neediness and Christ's deliverance of us by his own sacrifice. And so here's the beauty as we try to live life worthy of the gospel. 
that we are broken people being made whole through Jesus Christ. One of the greatest things that the world can see, and I hope this is an encouragement to you, is our progress, not our perfection. Like, we don't, we don't need to try and act perfect so that the world thinks Christ is good. What we need to do is let the world see us grow. Let the world see us struggle, but then depend on Christ and grow in that. That's actually the appeal of Jesus Christ, is that he is taking this sinful, weak, needy people and loving them anyway. And so let that be the thing that we put on display. That's a life worthy of the gospel. That's a life in alignment with what we proclaim, is that we do not have it all together. But Christ is growing us. He is making us more and more holy by his power. And so what are some ways that this gospel-worthy life can be on display? Well, Paul points to a few things here at the end of this passage. He says, standing firm in one spirit, in verse 27. To stand firm is to, like, to hold your ground. Like, I, when, sometimes when I get in the ocean, the waves are coming, I try to stick my feet in the sand, like, try not, not to let the waves knock me around, right? You, that you stand firm, it says, in, in one spirit. Now, why do we have to stand firm? Well, it's because we have an enemy. It talks about our opponent. That there is an, an enemy that's going to attack us. That as believers, we're going to have to live counterculturally. These waves are coming. We need to stand firm, not to be blown about, moved about by the waves and the winds of doctrine. That there is a, a, a countercultural way in which we live as believers. Now, that doesn't mean be weird just to stand out. Like, please don't be weird. You don't have to be weird just to be weird. All right? But let's just live in light of the truth of God's word, that, that we're not allowing the culture to shape how we read God's word, but we're allowing God's word to shape how we interact with the culture. And we're not letting everything currently going on in our world say, well, maybe in light of that, that's how I should understand God's word. But no, no, no. We're, we're reading God's word and saying, this is, I can now view the culture through the lens of scripture, not view scripture through the lens of culture. That's what it means to stand Firm. And we do this, it says, in one spirit, that we're united and supportive of one another in this, encouraging one another. It says, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is not an individual thing. And so I just, I want to encourage you, if you have friends who are like, I really need to be a part of a church, I kind of like do this Christian thing out of my own, like, that's not biblical. It's not biblical for you to be floating out there on your own. Like, God calls us to be a part of something and to be a part of that together. And so we do that in, in, in one spirit, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is a beautiful picture of us, like arms locked, let's go. And, 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 and uh, when I was researching this, this word Peloton came up. And I don't know if anyone has a Peloton, you have to show hands. Uh, but the, the like, you know, super expensive exercise bikes that have all these screens and all this technology and all this like, cool Peloton or whatever. But I don't know if you know this, but that word actually is this, uh, this French word that means rolled up in a ball. Okay? That's what Peloton means. It's rolled up in a ball. And the cycling world uses that word to, uh, to describe a group of cyclers all cycling together in this densely packed group. Because of that, when they're packed in like that, it's actually, uh, it maximizes their strength. They can actually do more together packed in like that than they can out on their own. They're a peloton. And so even though they're on different teams, they'll ride together. They're all getting together because wind resistance and all these things, they can actually go further, faster, maximize their strength and their efforts by doing it together. They're a peloton. 
You see, the enemy tries to get us out of the peloton. That's what we are as a church. We're a peloton. We're all rolled up in all together. Alright? That's how we should function. The enemy tries to pluck us out of that and say, hey, you need to isolate. You need to protect yourself. You don't need them. They don't understand you. They're, no one reaches out to you. That, no, 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 listen. All of that might be true. People sitting here is going to impact you. There's going to be moments where you feel like no one sees you. There's going to be moments where, where you're hurt or, or there's a lot of stuff going on in life and you think no one understands. And the enemy's like, stay away, stay away. No one will get you. No one will get you. And I'm here to tell you the opposite. I think scripture points to this. That's the moment to press in. That, that, you are, that you are better in that culture, that we are better together as a faith family. And it, and it says this, and here's the encouraging part I'm going to end on, that Paul encourages us in, that we are going to suffer for the sake of Christ. This is like the encouraging end to Paul's message of investing in one another and, and, and what he's going to do in the sake, for the sake of the Philippians, for the sake of the gospel. And I just want to say, and I think we've said it over and over again, believer in Jesus Christ, every one of you in here, you will suffer. We're not, because of Christ, we don't get this, like, all these blessings and all this massive. We get all these blessings, and they're wonderful, but it does not mean your circumstances are just going to all of a sudden be improved, and you'll have more money, and you'll have more happiness, and all that. No, we have a joy that's rooted in Christ, not in our circumstances. And so you will suffer. It actually says in this verse, and I like the way it's worded, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. The suffering is given to you as a grace. That word granted is this grace. God is going to give you suffering for the sake of Christ. He brings it into your life for your good. And so our natural, our natural tendency is to run away from it. Like, get me away from this as soon as I possibly can. But Christ is saying, I'm giving it to you for your good. Because two things come from the suffering. My name is lifted up and you are grown as you depend on me. Suffering produces in us the work that Christ is doing in us. Part of our work that he is completing comes through suffering. And so I just, I, I, don't, want, I don't want anyone in our faith family to ever think like we're not going to walk through suffering. He is going to bring it for us because he is good. And he's bringing it because it's for our good that we will suffer for the sake of Christ. And I understand in our culture that might not look like Paul was facing here being imprisoned for what you believe. But there is a, a certain toll that, that sits on the believer as we live counterculturally. That might be more mental, emotional than anything else. Maybe not physical or visible in your life. As many brothers and sisters around the world do experience the physical toll of their faith. But there is a toll. There is a suffering. He brings things into our life for his good and for our good. Don't run from it. Don't run from the suffering. Because God is producing a work in you that brings glory to himself along the way. Because of Christ, we can stand united as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so back, back to our big idea. All right? Followers of Christ are called to enjoy and advance the gospel in all circumstances, whether in life, in death, in seasons of comfort, or in seasons of suffering. We are able to enjoy the gospel and advance the gospel 
because of Christ. This, this, this thing we're going to sing about here in a moment, this thing that we're going to celebrate through communion, that all of this is only possible because of what Christ has done in his life, death, and resurrection. So church, as we enter a time of response this morning, let the truth of the gospel just wash over you as you seek to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You began this relationship with Christ in a position of need, in a position of dependence, and he met you there. And as you continue this walk in Christ, go to him in a position of need and dependence, because he will be you there as well. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that the work you call us to you enable by your spirit through the work of Jesus Christ. You call us to it and you strengthen us for it. You call us to it and you empower us towards it. You call us to it and you surround us with other people that you have called it to as well. So we are not alone. Not only do we have another, but we have what's most important as you. So we praise you for that spirit. I just pray that you would do your work of, of application in us this morning, that you would draw us to what it is you want us to follow as we seek to obey you. The scripture this week. We love you. It's your name.